Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Well, this time we're going to spend a little time in the, the Word today, once again, and uh, focus today on how we can help others. As we know, during this uh, time of uh, this uh, coronavirus crisis we've been in, there have been many opportunities to help. And I just really appreciate our children and how they shared in that video the ways in which they're trying to help uh, their neighbors, their community as individuals. I know that you're trying to help. We're all trying to help one another. And it's times like this where we really do need to do that. And so we're going to spend a few minutes in God's Word today and talk about a man who was a really uh, special helper that God used in some wonderful ways. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we pray your blessing upon it. May we hear your words. May they speak to our hearts and encourage us as we are uh, those who are uh, willing to help during this time of need. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We're going to be looking uh, in the book of Acts today again. We've been in Acts quite a bit lately. And today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, considering an individual who God used to help and encourage others. So in this context, in verse 32, you'll notice, so we have the context here of this early group of Christians, and it's within the Jewish community. This is happening in Jerusalem, it's within the Jewish community, and but believers are coming to have faith in Christ as Messiah, as the Savior, as the Lord, they're putting their faith in Him. And they're uh, joining together as a, as, a, as a body of believers in their worship and prayer. We see the disciples still going to temple and uh, praying and preaching and sharing the gospel. But as they come together, of course, and it be- as it becomes a more of a unique group, uh, there, will, there will be a need. Because at uh, this time, you have to understand, of course, that the Roman government did not provide any kind of what we call today uh, social safety net or any financial safety net for those in need. It was up to your community, to your families, uh, to your people uh, to do that. And the Jewish community did that. It has always done that and continues to do that for one another. And we see in verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind, unity. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale, put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as they had need. Now you do notice it says from time to time. This is not a kibbutz. They are not living in a commune, but they are helping one another, and they are selling and bringing profits. This is a special time. It's a unique time. They're, frankly, they're, they're looking forward to the Lord returning, you read this context here, to the Lord returning and setting up the kingdom. They are preparing for that uh, from what everything that they've been told and what's happening here at this point in Acts. It's a very unique time. But it also fits with their Jewish context. If you go back to Deuteronomy and in chapter 15, as Moses prepares for the children of Israel to go in the promised land, and he is going to be leaving them, of course. And in chapter uh, 15 and verse 10, uh, speaking about the uh, Sabbath year and and God providing for them and the land and their debts and so forth that have to be uh, forgiven. He says this in verse 10, Give generously to him 
and do not with, do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you, be open-handed toward your brothers and sisters, toward the poor and needy in your land. And this idea that they were to care for one another and they were to provide for one another. So we see this taking place among these uh, Jewish believers in, in Jerusalem at this time and in Judea, that they are taking care of one another and they are from time to time selling property and bringing the money and giving it to the apostles and the, and the money is then distributed as needed uh, two individuals. And it's in that context we see in verse 36 of a certain individual named Joseph, a very common Jewish name. Of course, we know from the Bible, very common Jewish name. Joseph, a Levite in the tribe of Levite from Cyprus. He was a Hellenistic Jew like Saul of Tarsus, like Paul. He lived, he was from Cyprus, but he was now in Jerusalem. He was a Levite whom the apostles called Barnabas. And then in parentheses, in my NIV, it says, which means son of encouragement. He had this reputation. He didn't call himself that. They gave him that name because of his reputation. And he was one who was concerned about others. He called out on their behalf. He encouraged them. He provided. He consoled them. He brought consolation and encouragement. Son of encouragement was his nickname. And that's how he became known. And from here on out in the book of Acts, when he is mentioned several times, it is not Joseph, it is Barnabas, his name. And she noticed in verse 37, he sold the field he owned, he brought the money, and he put it at the apostles' feet. And as our children shared with us today, some of the things they're doing in their way to help, we wanted to stop and just bring this word to all of us today that during this time, it's also a time of opportunity. It's a time of opportunity for us to be generous, to be kind, to seek out ways to help, simple ways. A phone call, do you need anything? How are you doing? How can I help you? I'm praying for you. I know these are challenging times. Many people that just have not been out and cannot maybe do things at all. How can I help you? In your neighborhood, are there those who are in need? Have you, have you sought those out? Do we, are, are we friendly? Do we go out of our way during this time to, to encourage people? There are many ways we can do this. There are very practical ways physically of doing things for people, providing things for people, and at the same time providing encouragement and help. And this is what our children shared with us today. And we wanted to bring this lesson today and talk about Barnabas, who represented many in this context, this apostolic community, many in this context who were willing to give, to sacrifice. He sold he sold a property and, and he just gave it to the apostles and trusted them. You do this, you do with this as you see need, as you see need and, and fulfill what has to be done. Help others with these gifts. And he was one of many who were doing this. And this was the spirit of this community in Judea as they are joining together for prayer, for worship, for learning for helping, for having their testimony within their community that this is what followers of Jesus Christ do. They care for others. As the Apostle Paul tells us, the Lord Jesus Christ said, it is, it is interesting, it's, it's not recorded in the Gospels, but, the Lord, but Paul re- records the words of Jesus that were known. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And we have opportunity today 
as believers in Jesus Christ, to be that type of a person, to be that type of faith community where it's more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to remember Barnabas. I want you to remember that name, son of encouragement, uh, one who, who summons on behalf and calls out on behalf of others to help them. Barnabas, son of encouragement. You know, what, is a, what does it look like for a person like that? How else do they live their life? How else, how else does it manifest itself when you are the kind of person who, who practices what the Lord Jesus Christ said? It is more blessed to give than to get, than to receive. It's more of a blessing. It's a blessing to those others. It's a blessing to you and a blessing to the Lord and a blessing to our testimony. What does that look like in other areas of life for that kind of a person who has that type of attitude, who is willing to sacrifice, willing to give, willing to go out of his way to make sure others' needs are met? He didn't have to do this. He wasn't going to be excommunicated. But you notice we have here a contrast because the next chapter about Ananias and Sapphira we'll see is a complete contrast to that heart that was open and sacrificial in giving and that heart that was that was more covetous and worried about itself. The Lord Jesus Christ said, why do you worry? Why are you anxious? God provides for the birds of the air. He takes care of the flowers of the field. Will he not so much more take care of each of you and your families? And we know that's true, don't we, in our lives. As we sacrifice, as we give, as you give and continue to support God's work, support our mission work, support the ministries God's put on your heart as we continue to minister in these very different times. It's just amazing as I hear over and over again, every time I turn around, someone says, you know, this this has been canceled. This has been canceled permanently. This has been closed. We saw this organization, this 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 uh, this type of uh, out, outcome, these productions, whatever it is, we made it through two world wars. We made it through the Great Depression, but we can't make it through this. We are closing. Isn't that interesting? These indeed are challenging and difficult times that we will look back on someday and realize what an impact it's had culturally and what an opportunity for us as the, as the Christian faith community to be that type of community that is known. We take care. We take care of each other. We take care of others. We take care. We participate in our community. We are a people who believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. We are Barnabas. We should be Barnabas in these times. What does that look like? Well, it, it plays out in other ways in this man's life as well. You go to the, the chapter 9 of the book of Acts, and of course, this is a chapter in which we have that amazing conversion of Saul of Tarsus, this man who is breathing out threats and violence toward the Christian community, toward the believers in Jesus Christ, going all the way to Damascus to haul them back in chains. Uh, people's, people's lives are being lost. People are being punished. People are being uh, beaten. People are being put in prison. Families torn apart because of Saul of Tarsus is, is the one who is the who is the most zealous for stamping out this Christian movement, this, this sect within Judaism that he believes is dangerous. And yet he is converted by the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus when he sees him and has that encounter with him. And he has this radical transformation in his life. And, and Paul then is his name, of course, will later be, we know him by. We know that later on, uh, the Apostle Paul is, uh, he gives his, he gives some of his chronology that's not in the book of Acts. 
But we come to this point here in uh, verse 23, after many days had gone by, some Jews tried to conspire to kill him. And Saul learned of their plans. And when chapter 9, verse 24, but Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But the followers took him by night, lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. That great story. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. He has been teaching. He has been, he has been radically changed. He is genuinely converted. And those close to him have seen this miracle of his conversion. I mean, think of it. Saul of Tarsus, who later on says, Paul says, God's grace was shown to me. I am the chief of sinners. I am the first in line. I am the chief of sinners. And God's grace was shown in me so that others would see how God's grace works. No one can ever say they are beyond God's grace. And they were not believing that he really was a disciple. They had serious, they weren't believing. It wasn't even doubts. They just didn't believe it. These are leaders in Jerusalem. These are the same ones maybe who were distributing the, the goods and the, from the property that people like Barnabas sold. But they were so skeptical of believing that he could actually be part of them, be a Christian, have given his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice what happened, verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly, preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about, moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, that was his people. He was a Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and they sent him off to Tarsus. And then the church enjoyed a time of peace. His own people, because he was a Hellenistic, a Grecian Jew, and they were particularly um, adherent to the Mosaic law because they came to live in Jerusalem and they were probably even more zealous. They did not necessarily reflect the attitude of like Gamaliel, who was more tolerant. We saw in, in the book we see in the book of Acts, but but this is they don't. They, he is in the middle of this of this controversy. But it's Barnabas, it's Barnabas, the son of encouragement, who uses his gift of encouragement, his ability to reconcile, to bring people together to help them see and to work through these differences. Barnabas is the one who uses those abilities that God has given him, son of consolation, son of encouragement, to bring them together in Jerusalem so that Paul is finally accepted and begins to to, to, to preach boldly and become part of what God is doing there as well until he has to leave. Barnabas one who was willing to help other people. He reached out. He didn't have to. He didn't have to risk this. He didn't have to do this. There was nothing in it for him. But he reached out to this man, Saul of Tarsus, and stood up for him, brought him in, worked it out, and helped to bring healing and reconciliation within. These were all believers in Jesus Christ, including Saul and these disciples. And he brought them together. This is the kind of person that helps and uses those opportunities to help. And then I wanted to one more passage. You'll notice that in chapter 11, 
that verse 19, those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, the third major city in the Roman Empire after Rome and Alexandria, the city of Antioch, a very cosmopolitan city, Roman, Greek, Asian, Jewish. It's, it's a very cosmopolitan mixed city. And it says they went there telling the message only to Jews. Notice that in verse 19. They went there and they only spoke to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, Barnabas is from Cyprus, went to Antioch and they began to speak to Greeks also, apart from Judaism, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord of Gentiles. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. What do we do? Something is going on in Antioch. There's this explosion of people coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these Gentiles are coming completely through simple faith in Christ. They went and they, and they went to preach only to Jews, but some dared and went and spoke to the Gentiles and offered them salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. And they came to Christ. And now we have this, what does this mean? What is this going to look like? Are we going to have two churches in Antioch? Are we going to have the Jewish synagogue church? Are we going to have a Gentile pagan uh, church? What is it going to look like? Are they going to meet together? Are they going to somehow bring these differences together and become one fellowship? I mean, this is different. These are people who have worshipped the one true God their entire life and have practiced the, the scrupulous, scrupulously the Mosaic law. And these are outright pagans from, from cultic practices and religions that were vile, many of the, many of their practices, disgusting. And, and now all of a sudden they're, what do you do? What's going to happen? How are you going to bring healing? How are you going to have a new beginning in Antioch? What do they do? Verse 22, we read this. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived, and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man. Boy, that sounds pretty, almost like a throwaway line, but that's the heart of it. He was a good man. We saw that in Acts chapter 4. He was willing to help others, to sacrifice and reach out and help. He was willing to help in Jerusalem and risk being the one who brought reconciliation and harmony between Paul and those who did not believe he was really a Christian. And when he looked at the situation in Antioch, who do we say? Who are you going to call? Who do you send? They sent Barnabas because he was a good man. And you'll notice he was a man. He was a good man. And when he got there, it said we, we read he was glad and he encouraged encouraged them. He brought consolation. He spoke on their behalf. He proclaimed for them. He brought them together and he proclaimed and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. This is Barnabas. Good man. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And he also recognized he needed help in the teaching of founding this church. He was a good man. He was an encourager. He was a reconciler. He brought this. There, there needed to be healing, I think, in this con. I think that's behind the, in the background here. There needed to be some healing. 
There needed to be some confidence that these Jews and Gentiles could, could really come together and form this body. It was a new beginning. And of course, this becomes the church that becomes the sending church for Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys. And they spend a lot of time there with this church. He realizes the need. Well, he needs help. He, and he, go, he, needs, a, he needs a teacher. And he, so he goes and he gets to verse 25. Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, taught great numbers of peoples, and significantly, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. It actually might have been a derogatory thing by the, the Romans and the pagans. Uh, they are the Christ sect. They are the Christ ones. They are the Christ followers. We are called Christians today. Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Paul, the former persecutor, but the rabbi who sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the great teacher. Together, these two solidify, bring healing and unity and a new beginning to this church at Antioch, which becomes the center of the missionary work throughout the Roman world when Paul, remember, was called as an apostle to the Gentile world. Barnabas, son of encouragement. You know, the story kind of ends where it began. We began, this isn't the end of Barnabas, but it's the end of our story for today. And we're going to end where we began. We began talking about, as our children in the video shared, how do we help other people? That's what Barnabas did. He helped others, and he did in many ways, individually. He helped within the, the Christian community in a wonderful way. But you notice what it says here. During this time, verse 27, you can read this, but some prophets came down from Antioch and they proclaimed there is going to be a terrible famine in the Roman world. And famine in, in that world, I mean, that there's not much backup. Remember the story of Joseph in Egypt, if you aren't prepared for it. It's life and death. There's going to be a terrible famine. This happened during the time of Claudius, the end of verse 28. So what happens? The disciples, each according to his ability. So this is principle. You know, when, when the Lord Jesus Christ at the, at the temple saw that woman put in her coins and said she gave more than far others. They gave out of their abundance. She gave out of her need. These people sacrificed. And it says they gave out of their ability, each one out of their ability, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So we end where we began. Barnabas, once again, going with Saul, traveling to Jerusalem. Not an easy trip. Traveling to Jerusalem to bring gifts to help people so they could survive and they could continue the Lord's work in Judea and Jerusalem. So that concludes our thoughts for today. I also wanted to take a minute today because it just seemed to to fit so well with what we're talking about here with this going on in Antioch. I don't need to tell you that this this is a time of uh, time for serious prayer for our nation, our land, and for our people on multiple fronts. We've been praying for and talking about the coronavirus crisis and how that's impacted our world and our society and our culture and jobs and social life and our church life and everything. And we have been praying. And as we talk today, we've been giving and helping. We've seen also again uh, 
the ugly head of racism and racial divide. You know, before the recent events just last week, we've seen in our, in our own city uh, racism against Asians, uh, spitting on them, name-calling, throwing, threatening, just because they're Asian, uh, because of what's going on with the virus and making connections that are not obviously true. And then we saw, of course, as we watched uh, the death of George Floyd, as I'm sure you've all seen. Now, we are, we are aware of the sad history of racism and prejudice. It's part of our human nature. It's part of the fall. We are aware of the sad history of slavery in our, in our country and in, in, in the New World, and the worst forms of slavery that it took place, and the implications. Now, we trust for justice. And we have been made aware of these divides and, and of racism and prejudice stereotyping today. We're also aware of the sad destruction that is taking place now and more loss of life than the plea of our mayors, mayors of all ethnicities and of asking, please, protest, peaceful protest is, is part of our heritage. Rioting and destruction of property and life is not. And Gary and I just spoke a few minutes ago. We both happened to live at different times in South Minneapolis. It was our neighborhood. Uh, I served at Bethesda Church, which is right in South Minneapolis. Uh, Gary's father and his family, they were there after I was there. He served there as well. My mother grew up uh, right off of Bloomington and Lake, saved at a church right there in her backyard, literally. Uh, this our background. We, we know this area well, and it is sad. It's sad to see the destruction. It's sad to see what happened. It's sad to see the whole thing. And so I just, I just want to make a few comments today. There's no place in our Christian faith for racism and for prejudice. There's no place for violence and disregard for life and for the rights of others. There's no place to stereotype anyone because of ethnicity, color, social, or economic status. We do not stereotype someone who wears a uniform that they are racist because they happen to wear a uniform. We do not stereotype anyone because of their political view that they are evil. As Christians, there is no place for us to stereotype each other. This is not about being a Democrat or Republican or independent. It's not about our social or economic status. For believers, this is a time for affirmation of our values, of treating everyone equally and with respect, for they are in the image of God. We should be able to have respectful conversations among ourselves and as the church, the body of Christ, and with our fellow believers of all races and ethnicities, we should be able to have respectful conversations about racism, equality, justice, peace, and righteousness. And we should have those conversations and be willing to do that. I like what our police chief in Seattle, Carmen Best, said yesterday. While she expressed that what she saw, as we all did, with the death of, of George Floyd, she, she said it was heartbreaking, infuriating, and disappointing, but this should be a time of healing and dialogue about how our community can move forward together. We are all in this together. And this is what made me think about this lesson today about Barnabas. Barnabas was sent to Antioch 
I think it was a time of healing. It was a new beginning, a time to move forward. And Barnabas, the son of encouragement, was sent there because the others recognized he was the person who could do this. How am I going to be a Barnabas? I don't want to be the person who throws the first stone, right? Let you who without sin throw the first stone. So I want to look at myself first, as I hope we all do. Are we willing, as we started our message out, to share, to give, and to encourage? Is that really important to me? Is that really important to me? Is that important to you? Is that important to us as a faith community to be willing to share and, be, and, and do what the Lord said. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And like Barnabas, are we, am I, am I willing to be an agent of healing, to examine myself first for any prejudices, and then in my home, and in my neighborhood, in my church family, am I willing to be an agent of healing and to help move forward together. If each Christian can do this, we can be truly a faith community that evidences the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's got to start with me and with you. And it's a good time for us to just pause and not just to pray for our land and for our nation, but to pray for ourselves. I don't want to be the first one to throw the stone. I want to look at myself first and make sure that our heart is right and that we're willing to work together to be agents of reconciliation and change and and examples of the Lord Jesus Christ. To be a Barnabas. To be a Barnabas where God has placed us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this passage from Scripture. We just thank you for men and women in the Bible who have left us examples of what it means to to be people who represent you in our thoughts, our attitudes, and our actions, actions as individuals and together as a faith community. To that end, we pray for your grace and mercy and help. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen.